Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's modeling podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? Good, good. I'm doing good. How are you? All right. Weather is decent, I guess, for the beginning of March, so that's always good. All right, so promote, extend, trade today. And today... If you didn't already know, is Kent Takulve's birthday. He was a reliever in the 70s and 80s, mainly with Pittsburgh and Philly. And he's basically like a workhouse reliever. He has a couple of records for um, most innings thrown by a relief pitcher. And he was pretty good. You know, a couple of, I think, all-star nominations. But he's more remembered for his kind of unorthodox sidearm slash submarine pitching mechanics and he had glasses right yeah he was a kind of uh doofy looking guy like he looked like your science teacher but he would also strike you out yes like tyler clippard looking motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) so what met relief pitchers with odd mechanics are we going to promote extend or trade this week first we have chad bradford then we have joe smith and last but not least is Darren O'Day. And I guess it kind of makes it easier because they literally all played on like within a year or two of each other. Yeah, same we should all remember three of them. Yeah. 
Um, well, O'Day. So are we doing this in terms of Mets careers? Because like, or or impact on the Mets. However you wanna, however you well, wanna look at it, and rationalize it. O'Day's is unfortunately infamous. Yeah. <laughs> where he was DFA'd for no reason, really. But I guess Joe Smith. I'd take. I would. What's the best one? Extend. Promote. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like, I would extend Joe Smith. Promote Bradford and then trade O'Day because it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's uh, what I would do as well. I'm gonna extend O'Day because I think he had the biggest impact on all those on all those teams just because he wasn't there. You know, like of like his not yeah that makes sense. If he was there, the Mets probably would have he probably would have been the actual difference maker because they literally just needed one fucking reliever. You know. Just one. Just one. That yeah, it, it's true. Like <laughs> I don't want to say the difference between them winning the World Series was Darren O'Day, but they very clearly needed someone like him. <laughs> they literally needed one relief pitcher and one okay starting pitcher at any point in time, and they had neither. And it is just unfortunate. All right. Um, so spring training is we're like a little bit over a week plus whatever it is into spring training. So we'll just look at all of the Mets prospects that are playing. We'll just go over how they're doing. Just kind of a generalized recap. So our number one prospect, Francisco Rodriguez. Uh, excuse me, Francisco Alvarez. He's played in five games so far, and he is over eight with zero home runs. One walk and four strikeouts. Our number two prospect, Kota Senga, he pitched in one game and he threw two innings, allowing one hit, one run, one earned run with two walks and two strikeouts. Our number three prospect, Brett Beatty, he's appeared in nine games so far and he is eight for 17 with one home run, one walk and four strikeouts. Number four prospect, Kevin Parada. He's appeared in seven games, and he is one for six with no home runs, no walks, and two strikeouts. Our number seven prospect, Alex Ramirez. He's appeared in nine games, and he is three for 12 with no home runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Our number eight prospect, Mark Vientos. He has appeared in nine games, and he is seven for 23 with two home runs, no walks, and eight strikeouts. Our number nine prospect, Ronnie Mauricio, he's appeared in nine games, and he is currently five for 13, with three home runs, one (laughs) walk, and two strikeouts. Our number 13 prospect, Stanley Consuegra, he's appeared in two games, and he is 0 for 2, with no homers, no walks, and no strikeouts. Our number 17 prospect, Jose Budo, He's appeared in two games, and he's thrown a total of 3.2 innings, allowing two earned runs on two hits with two walks and seven strikeouts. Our number 19 prospect, Bryce Montesta-Oka, he's appeared in two games, and he has thrown two scoreless innings, no hits, two walks, and four strikeouts. Our number 23 prospect, Eric Orzi, he's appeared in two games, And he also has two scoreless innings with two hits allowed, three walks, 
and three strikeouts. And finally, our number 25 prospect, William Lugo. He's appeared in two games, and he is two for two with a home run, no walks, and no strikeouts. Now, has anybody, has anything, uh, you know, stuck out for you guys so far? Um, Budo has a new pitch that's like a cutter slider thing. And I think that I've, we talked about this, I'm pretty sure, but that ups his ability to impact the major league team in a positive way, I think, in my opinion. Um, Senga looked good outside of, I don't know, Steve, did you watch it? Cause it was on MLB TV cause the Mets weren't, um, no, 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 I didn't see any of it. Um, so he was throwing 98, uh, he got Jordan Walker on a really nice uh, fork ball. He threw his ghost fork. That was one of the only times I feel like he threw it, but he got it was yeah, nasty. Yeah, I think he threw it twice and he he spiked the other one. Yeah, and that that one he oof, it was nasty. Yeah. Like like you could really see why it gets his like it literally just fell off the the face of the earth right into the dirt and Walker had no shot. Um, but then the control stuff was there. He walked the first two batters and got behind Arenado or Goldschmidt. I can't remember what order they hit, but they were hitting three and four. But then he got out of the inning, so he might be one of those guys who kind of lets a lot of people on and gets out of it because he's just really good, you know. But I very clearly see the talent there for him. And um, Mauricio, honestly, hitting seven million home runs from the left side is <laughs> uh, he's much maligned, but that's always really nice to see, regardless of how you feel about him as a prospect. Yeah, I mean the ball. I mean, let's see. Beatty has a home run. Vientos has two home good, runs. Beatty looks. So does he. And Mauricio's three home runs. So I mean, look at and and William Lugo. Let's not malign him. He has one homer. So yeah. And I feel like Parada hasn't really played, but we're gonna get more guys playing now that the World Baseball Classic's about to start. All those guys are gonna start having to play more. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's appeared in seven games and he's had six at bats. Same they thing with Francisco it, Alvarez. They're just it, not it, really. They're all like late inning pinch hits, and yeah. it's hard to judge you based off that. Um, let's see who else. And everything else is kind of part of the course, I guess. You know, yeah. Alex Ramirez is doing what you would expect. You know, he's uh, Consuegra, same thing. You know, he's not really going to be much of a factor. Same thing with William Lugo, not really going to be much of a factor in terms of you know. Um, getting helium. Agreed. I th- I thought Vientos has looked pretty good. He's his two home runs. I I know at least one of them was he was facing a righty, which is nice to see. But I, I think Florio too, or Florio. Yes, it was. He, yeah, he like opened a, up like Dylan Florio. Like a, yeah, that's a real pitcher. It's not like some rando guy who's playing. You know, like that's a major league guy, a pitcher, and he smoked it dead center. So. Honestly, I think all the kids have looked good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Beatty looks like he should. I tweeted this out today, but Beatty should probably be on the opening day roster. I know that it's a f- weird fit, but. I yeah. think the the plan should be to go into uh, opening day with like him and uh, Escobar in like a soft platoon. And and they've been putting Escobar in left, and I yeah. think that helps. If Escobar could also play the outfields, then. You don't need Ruff. You could cut Ruff and have Beatty and Escobar split third base. And when Beatty starts, then Escobar could – he could also start. Just he could give Canna a day or Marte a day, whatever. And you move Canna over to right. You could do a lot of stuff with um, 
with Escobar if he's playing the outfield at a I mean he's going to be better out there than Darren Ruff at 36 you know <laughs> yeah I mean Ruff hasn't what is Ruff's injury he has like a hand injury or something he has a arth- arthritis in his wrist <laughs> okay listen hey don't make fun of arthritis in the wrist. No, okay? I, I mean it's not. It's 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 just whenever you think of a 36 year old batter, you really want them to have wrist arthritis. I think. Yeah, but um, you know it makes hitting major league pitching significantly easier. Wrist damage. <laughs> <laughs> True. Wrists are killers for batters, and he was already looking like he was losing bat speed, so it's a bit concerning. Yeah, I mean it's. Obviously not. A, I mean, n- there's never a good time to have an injury, but I feel like for Ruff especially, it's a bad time when you really want to kind of come to camp and show that everything last year was just an aberration, that you're still going to mm-hmm. be able to play at a major league level. And the fact now that, you know, Beatty's doing good, Viantos is doing good, you know, the two questionable guys in terms of making the roster I mean at a spring training anyway it's just not looking good for Mr. Ruff it's just like I don't know he really did not need to like you were saying really did not need to be hurt and at this point I don't really know what's keeping him around unless he destroys spring from here on out which he could he's gonna play almost every day I'm sure because everyone's Half the Mets are going to be at the World Baseball Classic. Pete's going to not be around, so we could just play first base almost every day. Give him a real shot. But It's going to be interesting to see how long. I mean, obviously, like you see, you know, he could he could finally get on the field and just demolish the ball and silence all the doubters. But I don't think that's uh, very likely. <laughs> no, I, I would not. Not something you want to you know, bet on. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting now to see going forward how long the Darren Ruff experience lasts, you know? Mm-hmm. I think they should give him camp, give him the rope of – there's nothing really – there's no first-base prospect that needs to be playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is – we're only basically – I think this is only 10 games, whatever it is, mm-hmm. spring training. So there's still literally an entire month ago. And, you know, hopefully not, but Beatty could crater, Vientos could crater, all these, you know, guys that are showing up now could, you know, yeah. fade away. And, yeah. you know, then it's not really a question. Like, obviously now Darren Ruff is going to make the team. But also something I would not bet on. And someone could get hurt. You never know. Like, yeah, over the last two days, the Mets have had two pitchers get hurt. It's not Peterson doesn't seem to be serious. They said it's like a foot bruise. But Quintana left the start today with a left side tightness like you never know Beatty could have a left side tightness in two weeks and then Ruff is making the team because mm-hmm. Beatty got hurt and Ronnie's definitely not ready even if you like him and Alvarez is not going to DH you know what I mean so there's plenty all of good, all good problems I guess mm-hmm. for sure I mean this isn't like the you know 2011 Mets where <laughs> it's Scott Harrison or bust she's not a great time. All right. Now, moving on, um, we have a couple of emails this week. This is going to be basically our main main focus here because uh, full full disclosure, here's the thing. I used to have my personal email and our podcast email on my phone, you know, the Gmail app, and I just switch accounts when I was looking at my email and then looking at the podcast email. 
And it got really annoying after a while because 99% of our podcast emails are are spam. Um, we get a lot of Match.com emails for someone named Chanel. So I hope she finds that person out there for her. We get a ton of emails in French, something about Morocco. Get a ton of emails from some kind of business. It's called Edgecomb Potters. So I guess it's like a mom and pop pottery store. It's in Maine. So I guess if you're ever in Maine, go ahead and shop there. We get a bunch of emails from the Auction Armory, which is a, an online gun store, which I didn't know existed. And it's a little concerning. <laughs> but, you know, so much spam. So when I got a new phone a couple months ago, I didn't put the podcast email on the Gmail app. And then a couple of weeks ago, when we started doing the top prospect list, I said to myself, hmm, I should check the podcast email. I remembered, you know, that it exists. I forgot the password. And then I kind of forgot about it. But long story short, we have about two months of emails to catch up on. Um, most of it is spam, but we have a few legitimate ones, too. So will we also be reading the spam? I don't <laughs> think we should. But I mean, I could. I guess we could. No, I don't think no. I don't think it's very topical though. Whereas the emails from our listeners, they are topical. So uh, the first question comes from Full Stack Sam, and Sam says, "I'm not the smartest muchacho, but it's 1:13 in the morning, and I'm looking at some MILB numbers. Why would the Mets be so blase, blase about their number four pick, Jake Mangum, who hit very well and played good defense in AAA?" But Keith Khalil Lee, who's never performed at AAA and doesn't have plus defense. If we're going to roster one, what am I missing that 29 and a half teams knew? So basically, there's two questions there, I guess. A, why trade Mangum? And B, why choose Lee over Mangum? And that second part is much easier, I think, to answer. And basically, Lee just has no value currently. You know, he's coming off of his season where he hit 211, 326, 366 in 100 games in Syracuse. And now he has some very legitimate legal issues that are hanging over his head, too. And, you know, it was kind of exciting when the Mets acquired him because, you know, he made some mechanical adjustments. There was some good feedback. And then he had a pretty good 2021. But... Basically, Lee has a longer track record of, of, of not performing than actually performing. So, you know, who who's going to want Lee, you know, even as a player, as, as a throw in in a trade, you know, would you want Lee if you guys are making a team? I mean, I'm probably cutting him if I'm the yeah, master. So I probably would have already cut him. Yeah, I would have cut him when the news first came out. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that that's why. Lee was not included in the trade because who the hell else wants him? Now, in terms of why was Mangum traded? I mean, you know, he has value. He's a guy that has more value than, you know, he probably gets credit for, but it's value that's very easily replicated and does not really translate. He has more soft value to the team than statistical value. If that makes sense, you know, yeah. if if he retired tomorrow, you know, well, I shouldn't say if that let me let me rephrase that. So basically, I was talking with my friend Dan about Mangum and he's basically like the outfield version of Luis Guillorme. 
I don't, even, I don't even think he's that good of a hitter. I mean, we, we yeah. don't know, and we'll never know, but... I mean, we will. He's going to play in Miami, I'm sure. Yeah, well, however much. But basically, to date, Luis Guillaume has 2.7 F-War and 3.1 R-War. And, you know, he just doesn't get a lot of playing time. And the things that he does add value to, they don't really translate well in terms of, you know, statistical baseball numbers. And Jake Mangum is basically that same kind of player. You know, he's not going to get too, too much playing time. And, you know, a lot of the, the value that he adds to a team, be it like, OK, we could be confident in our outfielder or, yeah, this guy is going to be able to move a batter over or, yeah, he could steal a base in a pinch, whatever. You know, that stuff doesn't really translate well statistically. And, you know, it, it's it is what it is, unfortunately. It's just and, that kind of player can be very easily replaced. replaced. I mean, Tim Castro is basically that right now. And like they signed Tommy Pham. They so Mangum's not making the team over Pham because Pham is going to be a better hitter against lefties, and that's what they need him to do. Like right, we're talking like fourth or maybe fifth outfielder here. Yeah, yeah, Mangum. Even when they drafted him, when he was coming up through the system. The, the the profile was never this guy's a future starter. It's this guy's a future bench bat. Not not even bench bat. Like a util, like a back backup outfielder who could play three spots and won't hit for much because he he's a singles hitter. And even with his uptick in power, it's not like he's hitting home runs like crazy. It's more power than he used to hit, but it's mostly like doubles now. He's not a bad player. But then they got Jeff Brigham, who's like an actual reliever, who's like an actual interesting reliever, who is. He's a little on the older side. He's already 30, but the Mets are seemingly making more strides in pitch development where he could definitely make strides and become a legitimate reliever in the major leagues. He was pretty good last year, if I remember correctly. I'd have to look at his stats. But And they got Eliezer Hernandez, who is a candidate to replace Trevor Williams, who they need more pitching depth. They need more starting pitching depth because, as we all, every single Met fan knows in this they had like one starting pitcher under contract coming into the season or whatever. One re- it was one reliever too with Drew Smith before Diaz signed. Like they needed the pitching depth way more than they needed a fourth outfielder who's a glove first guy. Because they could go out and sign Jerks and Profar if they really want to who, to play the corners and then you're fine. You don't even you know what I mean? Like you'll be able to find your glove first fourth outfielder in February every February for two million dollars. So I'd rather them get the starting pitching the the pitching depth. That's really what it comes down to for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it is an upgrade to the team. The end. Because they didn't give him away. Like, the, right. He I don't want to say that he wasn't, the narrative around it, but he was he wasn't DFA'd and claimed like they traded him for two pitching arm for two arms who are I know Eliezer has options who are gonna impact the Mets way more than Mangum ever will. Because if Mangum's playing, then three dudes got hurt anyway. <laughs> The, the way the roster is set up right and the most that the value like i was saying like his his any value that he provides is like soft value the most that he's going to be doing in, in terms of like influencing like wpa is like individual catches individual yeah, yeah. at bats a relay throw that's really good whatever like they're such minor things whereas elias hernandez or bring them like they're going to be throwing legitimate innings 
high value, you know, high high leverage, medium leverage, low leverage, whatever. But those innings are going to be more influential than the individual plays that Mangum might be playing. Or, you know, in, in theory, if they kept Lee as well, you know, the same same mm-hmm. thing applies. Like, I, I, I think Mangum could play in the majors in that type of role. I don't think he has enough bat in him to start in a first division way like the Mets would need him to. Yeah, that's why that's but, why I said that Luis yeah. Guillorme comparison is is very apt. I, but I, I think Guillorme is a better Luis, player than him. No, no, I'm not I'm not doubting that. I remember saying I love Luis Guillorme. Do you think though, if he started, you know, 140 games a year, would he still be flirting with 300? Probably not. But you know, in in 60 games, in 80 games, whatever, like yeah, he could he could do that. I, I I wouldn't trust him as a full-time everyday player, but as sure. the role that he has now, I think sure. he's he's too good to be uh, he's too good to be a replacement, but not enough to be an everyday starter on a first division team. Yeah, like Luis Guillorme could start for the Marlins right now. <laughs> Just yeah, like Jake I, Mangum I, will be starting for the Marlins as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and, and that's that's also why like good for you, Jake Mangum. You went to a place where you have a chance to, you know. You'll have more opportunity to. He's he's back in he's back in SEC country with his people. (laughs) But yeah, there's going to be a million times they could sign a Jake Mangum. Yeah, I mean that's what do we do we like Jake Mangum? Sure. Do we have an affinity for him because he was drafted? Sure. And and he came up through the system, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a player profile that doesn't really have too much an impact. And it's just very easily replaceable, so hard to cry over it, you know? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Our next email is from... Michael from Forest Hills. And it's a pretty basic question. Um, Has the restructuring of the minor leagues had any noticeable effects on minor league prospects? The end. Uh, This is a hard one to answer because it's kind of an abstract question. And the best answer I could give, maybe you guys can give a better one, but I think the answer is definitely it has. But we can't really say right now given that we don't have like any absolute data and we might not ever be able to say really other than you know kind of just what our gut and our instincts and intuition says yeah i mean you used to have you know rookie ball and short a teams kingsport and brooklyn 
the short A Brooklyn Cyclones. Now everybody who's basically past the complex is thrown into St. Lucie. So you have semi-advanced IFA guys, you know, and, and Alex Ramirez type, semi-advanced prep, domestic prep players, you know, a Calvin Ziegler, so-so college guys, uh, Justin Guerrero, advanced college guys that are just kind of getting some light work in, your Kevin Pradas, your Blade Tidwells. Everybody is in this one giant pool. You're mm-hmm. you're basically throwing players that are aged, you know, 18 to 23 or so with various backgrounds, and they're all playing against each other. So, you know, to uh, to a player who is even a so-so college bat, you know, Calvin Ziegler might not that be difficult, might might not be that difficult of a pitcher because you know you're a so-so college player from a so-so um, conference. You know, you've seen decent velocity or you've seen solid curveballs before you know to uh, a player that is just coming up from the dsl or that fcl complex is a so-so college pitcher you know a paul gervais he might be nolan ryan to you you've never seen a guy with like really good velocity or that can locate their pitches or throws a decent off-speed pitch so when we had take Kingsport and we had short A Cyclones, you could kind of segregate all these different groupings of players and and everyone could have more linear, I guess that's the best way of putting it, linear, you know, developmental progression. It was more methodical before. Yeah, that that's a better way, more methodical progression, yeah. And like, I think guys are going to get lost in the sauce sometimes when they needed that extra half step because some guys are going to. And mm-hmm. there's also just less roster spots. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> like, the most obvious one, too. Yeah. Like, it's pure less roster spots and more, like Ken just said, more competition per spot. So when two guys are battling it out to go to high A, before you could send them to short season, you know, you could send the the, the loser, quote-unquote, it's not a loser, but, you know, to, 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 to short A, and then he goes there. But now he might just get cut. Or now he might just be a bench guy and doesn't play ever, and that stunts his development that way. So it's just there was there was no we there was no reason to do this other than saving no, I mean, a couple bucks for, comparatively for owners. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at a guy like Jeff McNeil. He would have been probably a guy that got lost in all this if he was still a minor leaguer at this point. He had you know three seasons in a row where he basically hardly played because of injury and whatever else. I mean, that that's the prime candidate for a guy that's going to get cut. Obviously, yeah. Jeff McNeil has thrived, more than thrived. He's become one of the premier, you know, infielders in the game. Imagine, you know, of, of all those players that did get cut, you know, I'm sure that there's a McNeil in there for, you know, the Mets and for every other team. Or if not, you know, someone that might have become so good, someone who could have become okay or a a role player or, you know, up and down pitcher in relief or whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, It's it's made it a lot more difficult for everybody, (laughs) basically, long story short, except for MLB owners. They can... Squeeze a couple of nickels tighter now. I, I had this thought. I wonder that if if 
indie leagues kind of not thrive from this, but they start getting some better players who and they start becoming a more legitimate alternative when guys do get cut. Like when the 22 year old guy gets cut who would have went to another level, just goes to play indie ball and then he pops and then he gets signed again, you know? Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, that's also another thing where I was saying right at the beginning, it's kind of abstract and we don't like. It's also still early. Like, yeah. Too, we don't we don't have the data for that yet. Like, it's just too soon. I mean, that's a that is an interesting, you know, that is something that would be interesting to look at to see if all the independent leagues that, you know, did kind of get some of the these excess players that got cut, you know, to see how they performed and whether or not they got invitations back into affiliated baseball based on those performances or not. But I mean, it's such a broad thing. There's so many ways that you can, you know, look at it, but I'm sure that in, you know, in the coming years, there will be plenty of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. smarter people than us examining more data than we have the capability of doing. All right. Our next question is from Carlos B. And he said, is it me or do the Mets not really have any high-end pitching prospects? I feel like there's no one worth mentioning arm-wise. Players like Hamill, Tidwell, Ziegler, Diaz all feel like solid pitchers who might someday make it, but they all feel more David Peterson than David Price. I miss the days when it feels like every year the Mets had a new ace to debut. The Harvey to Wheeler to DeGrom to Syndergaard to Matt's a little bit era feels so long ago. End quote. Uh, I mean, they don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> they don't, not, but they, they do wrong. have a pretty, they have a pretty exciting slate of, um, you know, position player prospects come through recently. So, and this comes in waves and cycles yeah. and yeah. Uh, and the system hasn't been great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't. I, I also I, think, sorry, Steve, go ahead. As I think Tidwell could possibly become like a front end kind of pitcher, but I don't see like ace potential, but you know, like, like a really good strong, like, like a Stroman kind of guy, you know, like, would you want Mike Marcus Stroman to be your ace pitcher? No. But, but if he's your three, yeah. Yeah. Is he like your two or your three, a guy that, you know, is pretty reliable? Yes. I, I think that's it. Tidwell, same way. Yeah. 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 I think that some of these guys do have that kind of potential. That's not ace potential, like Harvey Wheeler, DeGrom, Syndergaard, but it's better than nothing, you know. And, like, this conversation's a little different. If Allen, there's an alternate reality where Allen doesn't have a 75-year Tommy John return, <laughs> surgery and recovery. And <clears throat> I don't know. It's just this stuff comes in cycles, and the Mets have not had good pitching development in internally for a long time. So... They were they were a good pitching um, organization when they were developing all those aces, and then they fell behind and they stopped developing them. So you don't really have to think too hard about why. And then now they're starting to get better again. I think so. I could see us starting to get more guys who are um, <clears throat> who are coming through the system and are good pitchers you know there's just more like they're teaching budo new pitches and they're doing stuff like that and they're kind of being a smarter org so it'll just eventually all these guys one of them will pop or two of them will pop mm-hmm. in a couple of years we might be talking about the hamel to tidwell to ziegler to diaz era 
All right. Now, our last question is from Brian Florentine, and he says, quote, would abandoning hitting from both sides of the plate help Ron Mauricio? Over the past two years, he hit 253, 299, 464 with 39 home runs, 42 walks and 185 strikeouts in 775 plate appearances as a left-handed batter versus right-handers. And 250, 280, three, excuse me, 432, with seven home runs, eight walks, and 52 strikeouts in 219 plate appearances as a right-handed batter versus lefties. He's obviously played more as a left-hand batter than as a right-hand batter, but all of the numbers are just better regardless. End quote. Um, so I was. I actually like this question. Yeah, it's it's it is an interesting question um i was doing research and i found an article from Fangraphs regarding cedric mullins the orioles outfielder and he basically credited his his 2021 breakout and all the continuing success that he's had since then to his decision to stop hitting from both sides of the plate and just focus only on hitting um, for the left side his natural side so in theory yeah mauricio could become a better player just focusing on you know hitting from once presumably his left side since the numbers are better um marginally there you know in theory that could help him conversely though you know his his numbers are better facing um same side lefties lefty on lefty and righty you know basically his numbers might his overall numbers might take a hit because the same side you know, matchups might be so bad that overall production gets, you know, pulled down. So I don't know. I do think, though, that the numbers are overall not really that dramatic to say that it could be a magical fix for for Maurizio, which is sad, I guess. I mean, basically, it's a semi-sack batting average. It's like 20 points of OBP and 30 points of slugging, which is not really that much. So, I mean, even if he did only hit from the left side starting tomorrow and and hit for that career line, it's still not going to be like a magic fix, you know? Yeah. And like I do think his swing is way better left-handed. Like, there's clear problems with his right-handed swing, and his left-handed swing is pretty it's, – it's good. But his issues aren't the swing. His issues are he makes bad swing decisions, and he can't lay off pitches. And I don't think that changes – if he just bats lefty, like him just sticking to one side of the of the of the plate won't stop him from swinging at the pitch at his eyes. You know what I mean? He'll just do it only left-handed because <laughs> because these issues are are I don't want to say abstract, but like Cedric Mullins, his swing he couldn't hit right-handed. Like he just it's not like he was making bad decisions. It's that when he would swing righty against a lefty, the right-handed swing was so bad it didn't work. So then when he started, he started, he was like bunting right-handed for, it was some, it was something like that. I can't remember specifically what he was doing, but it, he was like bunting in almost all of his at-bats as a righty because he couldn't hit. And it's like, it's not like he was making poor decisions. He just couldn't hit. It's Mauricio's issues is that he makes poor decisions when he hits. And you don't, I don't know how to fix that out with, I think if he hadn't, if he made better decisions, he would be fine. His, him being a switch hitter. Like every switch hitter has a better side. Right. Even, like, 
the best ones. Carlos Beltran had a better side, you know? Like, it's it, it's not like switch hitters are completely one-for-one one perfect on both sides. It's that the reason why the, they stay switch hitters is their issues are fixable. And I don't want to say Ronnie's aren't. That makes it sound like he's a lost cause. It's His, fishu- his issues are abstract. They're not... They're not in the. You can't break down the tape and look at his issues. His tape, the tape, his issues are like, don't swing at that pitch at your face, lay off that pitch in the dirt, you know, like that stuff, which doesn't really change if he's just a switch hitter or not a switch hitter. And this is something that we don't really have public data for. I mean, I guess if we wanted to, you could literally chart out every single at bat that he's had and the placement of the pitches and what pitches they had, but. That's beyond my pay grade. I'm sure the major league, you know, the major league teams have this data. I mean, there are people that are paid, I'm sure, a lot of money, or if not a lot of money, more than we get paid to to do those kinds of things. So if the data was there and it was telling the Mets that, you know, his swing decisions are much worse as a right-handed batter than they are as a left-handed batter, and that would behoove Ryan Mauricio to only that from the left-handed left uh, side, I'm sure they would have broached that with him, you know? So, ah. It's, yeah, it's tough because, like, I could see why you dream on Mauricio, just look at his spring, and he's hitting a million home runs. (laughs) And if he could continue to do that, then he'd be... He's a fine prospect. I feel like he gets a little, I don't know. It's weird because he's like a major league player, but I think he's like a, it's kind of similar to Jake Bangham where I think Mauricio was going to start on bad teams and be a backup on good ones. And maybe he jerks and profiles his way into being like a quality player for a good team who plays sometimes and moves all over the place. But even then, like profile was a better prospect, even with his weird, like, probably being too hyped <laughs> prospect uh, life that he had a career, I guess. I don't know. It's a, he's a weird profile because I feel like he's almost, I don't want to say he's underrated, but even I, I do this too. I'm like, always oh, terrible trade him, but he's definitely a major league talented player. It's just, I don't know how good he's going to be. He might hit 200 and have a 280 on base percentage. And then it's, what's the point, you know? Right. I mean, he could be a, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Like Mark Reynolds. Or Chris Davis, you know, like guys that could just hit for Noah, basically do one thing and one thing only, and that's hit home runs. One of my friends comps him to Rudnet Odor, and that was pretty interesting. Yeah, where, yeah. Like, you look at his career, and he was like, okay. <laughs> he was just a fine guy. He just hit home runs, and that's it. And if he does that, then he's going to be a regular on bad teams, and good teams will try to leverage him into the perfect situations for him to maximize his potential i mean a lot a lot of people will make the comparison of javi baez which is not a particularly apt know. comparison a much better one is rough nato door they both have similar strengths and weaknesses but you know <laughs> without the javi baez is um bat speed or defensive you know uh, uh presence as well and baez was one for one like baez's talent what he was able to do in his in his prime was his bat to ball and his bat speed and everything else. No one don't don't try to be like him. Like don't 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 do it because you're not gonna do. You're just not going to. 
he could do it. And he was a he was a unicorn for that. And I think guys in that mold are just going to struggle to actually be able to play at the level that he did for as long as he did. And even now he's 30 and he's not good anymore. Like it's not like he he didn't age gracefully. He he bucked the trend and he had his last decent year with the Mets. Which is true. Usually, usually the opposite. Usually everyone has a very their first bad year with the Mets. So, like, Baez just turned thirty and he had a ninety weighted runs created plus last year and hit two thirty eight, two seventy eight, three ninety three. I could see Ronnie doing that in the majors, and that's not a good player. So, because it's going to be poor swing decisions and he's never on base, and that's going to be the big problem for him. Yeah, I mean, the the problem is Mauricio is so good in terms of everything else. His one thing yeah, is... Absurdly talented. Yeah. Um, it's, but there's a limit to how far talent alone can get you, you know? I mean, as we've seen... Or even talent and extremely hard work can get you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true also. Like, Yeah, I'm not saying... He Go hasn't ahead. progressed Mauricio, but that doesn't mean that he's not putting the work. You know, he might be he's working his... playing baseball uh, year round for, for years now. Yeah. 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 And I between the Dominican and, and here, I want him to succeed. It would be great. Like, pr- please prove me wrong. He would but, be very fun. Yeah. And it would be an extremely fun profile to see in the big leagues because a guy who's who, he's speedy and he's hitting a lot of home runs and. With the Mets, since Lindor's here, he would be moving all around the diamond. It would be a really fun bench player or like quasi starter, I guess. Maybe like Ben Zobrist, like where he's playing all over the place. But it's it's unfortunate that his one issue, because every player, unless you're like Mike Trout, has issues. And even Mike Trout, when he was young, had issues and then he fixed them because he's Mike Trout. But his one issue is like glaring. It's not like his one issue is oh, he strikes out a little too much or, oh, it, you know, it's his one issue is that his swing decisions are like, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, that's it's of all of all the issues that a player could have issues with making a contact or, and a point one good contact are the hardest to, to fix. But even if you didn't make it like Joey Gallo doesn't make a ton of contact, but when he does, he destroys the ball. And when he doesn't, he walks. So right. like if if he could do that or like a Jay Bruce type, there's plenty of players. Adam Dunn going back years now. But the problem is he doesn't do the second part. He doesn't do the walking part. And if you don't do the both in tandem, then it's really hard for you to be a major league player. Mm-hmm. Like his his weighted runs created plus in his career in every level in 2008 in rookie ball, he split it. He he split in two levels. He had a 101 WRC plus and a 61 WRC plus. In A ball at 18 in 2019, he had a 93 WRC plus. In high A at in because then 2020 was the COVID year. In high A in 2021 at 20, he had a 94 WRC plus. Then he moved up and played a few games in Double A, eight games and destroyed the ball. 124 WRC plus. Then last year he repeated Double A for 123 games and had a 104 WRC plus. Like he's barely, he's just like around league average in the minors. So it's he needs to take that next step in order to become a prospect that we could really look at to impact the Mets. You know, 
and even a boost of let's say if he had an on-base percentage of 340 instead of 296, then I'm I'm in a different I'm having a different conversation. I mean, then you he's know? then then he's possibly like a, a top player in prospect on all baseball if he's at 340 with, with it, the power it, and everything. Ken said 320. Yeah, if he's at 320, I'm fine. I'm like, all right, yeah, like he's, like the Daniel Murphy before he he went eight shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I could deal with that at at, at third base for a little bit. You 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 you, you, you platoon him so he faces more righties. Maybe he DHs some when Vogelback leaves because he's not going to be here forever. Maybe he learns to play the outfield and you can kind of move him around. And sure, but his on-base percentage last year was 296 in Double A. It's like come on, like if it doesn't start in a three in Double A, what is it going to do in Triple A, let alone the majors? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean Triple A is probably going to be most of the time. There's really no difference. You could even say a lot of times pay, play p- position player prospects, legit prospects like Mauricio is have a easier time in AAA because you're also, you know, you AA has more of a preponderance of other top prospects, whereas AAA, it's kind of more quad A guys and veterans that are, are on like the taxi squad for the major league teams and, and whatever else. And a lot of times like players have an easier time in AAA, but a guy like Mauricio, I think it would be exasperated even more because you're having those guys that are, you know, the, the, I don't know why his name came to mind, but you're having the Tim Reddings of the world <laughs> on, the, on the AAA rosters, you know, that are throwing junk because that's really all they have left at this point. And Mauricio's kryptonite is junk. Oh, I just, should I yeah. should amend that kryptonite junk that he is not able to recognize early enough. Yeah, and like. We're 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 tough on Vientos, but I think even a guy like Vientos is going to have more utility this year than because you'll be able to so, really hard platoon him against the or, or only make him face lefties in certain situations as a DH and he'll be fine. But it's like I understand the excitement around Ronnie because he has like a unicornish skill set when you break it down, but then you look at the flaws and they they're so tall to overcome. It's just He's a very complicated prospect for only being 21. And he's also been around forever, it feels yeah. like. Yep. I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah. It would be nice um, if if things click this year, but I'm just – I'm not really counting on it. Even if it clicks from one side, then you have something going. Yeah, the th- I mean, I, uh, the ultimate goal, obviously, is to make it to the major leagues in some capacity. And if he's able to do something as only a left-handed hitter, as as only a right-handed hitter, whatever it is, yeah, okay, now you're starting to have utility at uh, as for the major league team and more likely to make it. Yeah. In his In his state right now, he does not have that. I mean, the, the one thing he has going for him is, is his youth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's 21 turning 22. He could develop, you know, spend the next two years in double A slash triple A, whatever, and be 24, which is, you know, not old, old. It's, you know, you're starting to get a little long in the tooth for a prospect, but for a baseball player, not really. Yeah, like the Dodgers have guys like that who come up at 25 because mm-hmm. they've toiled away in the minors and fixed all the and worked out the issues that they had. And those guys are never perfect, but they're they've worked themselves into being able to contribute at the major league level in a 
specialized way. And it's just Beatty lapping him doesn't help, I think, for perception-wise either, where Beatty came into the organization later and very clearly is better and just all the, not all the issues, but every year we came into the year like, hey, Beatty needs to hit the ball in the air more. And he did. Beatty needs to do this better, and he did. The only thing he hasn't really improved like crazy is his defense. I don't know how far that's going to ever improve, but you could live with it if he's hitting. So it's it's tough when <laughs> your your contemporary has basically shot up the boards to be a global top 25 prospect, and you keep falling too. So fans, it's going to be hard for people to like. Right. I mean, it's hard. It's coming just into the, coming into the 2021 season in Brooklyn, you had Alvarez, Beatty, and Mauricio were you know the three Musketeers, and two of those guys now are legitimately much better. Had two very good seasons. And are basically knocking on the door of the major league level, mm-hmm. and and then there's Mauricio, unfortunately, who and is he not just hasn't team. he hasn't gotten better in the things mm-hmm. that he needs to. He's kind of stayed the same, and maybe just more reps will do it. But he has a lot of reps. I don't know. I I don't, I don't know what the answer is because I don't know how you fix swing decisions. I I understand how you sw- fix mechanics, and I understand how you fix other things, but fixing someone's Split second decision making seems very difficult, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure some team will want to and try, and he will be traded at the deadline for someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is a guy that you know, he, like you mentioned, his his career minor league numbers are basically slightly below league average or slightly above it. But he's he will always have more at least you know for the next couple of years he will always have more value than that just because of the prospect hype and everything like that that surrounded him yeah you you look at the loud power and the athleticism and the ability to i whenever i've seen him he's looked good at short i know some people have seen seen him and said he's looked bad every time i've seen him he's looked good he's made nice plays he looks fluid you know he's probably a little too tall and now he's getting a little too muscular he might have to move but i've been impressed with his defense whenever i've seen him live so i could see a team being like yeah sure for our reliever, I'll take a swing at that. It's better than taking a swing at, like, I don't know, whoever, <laughs> Stanley Consuegra, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure a team will dream on him and try to fix those chase issues, but I don't know. I don't know how to do that, and I feel like it's difficult from the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, like we were saying before, like, we don't know how much work. Mauricio himself has put in. I'm sure that he's put in a ton because this is basically what he's done his entire life and what he wants to do for the rest of his adult life too. So I'm sure no shortcuts are being taken. And oh yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to make it seem like I think he's that because I don't think that's true. Right? Like, no, no. I'm just saying like he's putting in the work. I'm sure, mm-hmm. and it behooves the major league team to do what they can, what they think they can, whatever to help Mauricio along too. So I'm sure they're doing whatever their collective brain trust thinks is going to work, but hasn't yet. So, yeah, I don't know what what can be done either. Yeah. Although knowing the Mets with something like Dom Smith, maybe he just needs like LASIK surgery. And then all of a sudden he's the best player in baseball. But even Dom is a pretty good example. Like Dom had two that, that shortened season where he was really good. And then, well, I think he got hurt. He was good, and then he got hurt, and then the COVID year he was good. I can't remember. It was like two short years. 
but that doesn't even equal like a full season. And then he just wasn't really good anymore because his issues of not hitting for power and not driving the ball enough popped back up again when the ball got dejuiced. And I don't know how you like you, you could fix that mechanically, but also you just, some guys just aren't going to hit the ball for power. You know, you could put them in the weight room. You could do all that other stuff. Dom Smith is never I'm not going to. He definitely worked hard at his craft and all that stuff. Sometimes just Tim LaCastro ain't hitting home runs, no matter what you do to him. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. saying that those guys are that, but some guys just have those barriers. And I, I hope that Mauricio's barrier isn't just he's not going to be able to make those decisions. Because he's there's a lot of exciting stuff with him. I think he'll definitely get chance after chance after chance after chance. I don't, I don't want to say he's going to overstay his welcome. I don't mean it like that, but... He will be given every opportunity possible to prove that he can hang before mm-hmm. someone on the team says, "Okay, let's let's call it a wrap here." Trade him to the Reds for Alexis Diaz, so the Mets could have Edwin and Alexis in the same bullpen. <laughs> Is he any good? Yes. Oh, okay. He, well, he was good last year. All right. All right, so those are our emails for the week. Um, I promise everybody, if you send us emails again, I will not be sitting them for a couple of months. <laughs> they will be answered promptly. All right, if, um, obviously our email address is from complex to queens at gmail.com, and you can send us any of those questions, comments, hate mail, spam, whatever that you have. <laughs> Um, you could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there as well. I'm Steve at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken Lavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.